I'm really excited this month for this series, um, Sickles and Seeds, uh, because um, I guess really the main reason I would say is 2020 has really been a doozy, right? I mean, it's almost like you want to feel that if there was anything that could have happened, 2020 found a way to make that thing happen. And there's something that I have learned um, you know, just in living is that, you know, you could go through a little period of time when your life is challenged, you can go through a few difficult situations, but there's something that happens to us as human beings when we experience a prolonged season of difficulty, of negativity, of challenge. And that is, and and maybe you would say that you found yourself like that this morning, is that you feel that maybe something in you is starting to change. You know, from looking at the different, you know, blogs that I read and different bits of statistical data about this year, because people have been studying a lot this year to determine how do human beings interact with this level of challenge and difficulty. And one of the main things that people say is people feel that this year has stifled or challenged their ability to dream. And, and I guess this morning, as we start launch the series, Sickles and Seeds, um, I, I wanted to preach mainly to a group of people who maybe feel like you're settling in life. You know, maybe at one time, you really believed for God's blessing in your life. You know, you read the scriptures and you studied and you had them pasted on your walls, the dreams that you felt like you were going to accomplish in your life. And You know, you prayed the prayer maybe of Jabez, you know, Lord, bless me and Lord, enlarge me, Lord, use me. And, you know, that you were believing and calling on God to do a miracle in your life. And then life, well, I should say it like this, then 2020 happens. And really, we're sort of just willing to settle for the consolation prize, right? Like, remember when you raced maybe in track and field, if you are in my generation or younger, it was the purple ribbon, right? First place was always red, second place was blue, and then the participant ribbon was always purple because everybody needed a ribbon. And, and for the most of us in 2020, I would say that we're probably just hoping to just get a purple ribbon. You know, God, just do something. You know, Lord, anything. I don't care what it is. I just need you to do something. And, and I, I wrote this message really intended for people who think that there is supposed to be more to life. You know, maybe you're a single girl, you know, and you start your process of believing for a man, you know, and you make your list. You know, he's going to be six feet tall. He's going to be super fit. He's going to love Jesus passionately. He's going to be a great provider, a great dad. He's going to have an amazing sense of humor. Like, we're going to literally laugh all the time. He's going to love to travel and have the money to be able to take me all around the world. He's going to love watching old movies with me. And, oh, Jesus, he is going to be such a good kisser. (laughs) Then one year goes by. Two years goes by. Five years goes by. And you're like, God, I'm just believing for a man, right? Like male, species male, right? Let him be breathing, job optional at this point. 
just send me some, maybe it's a business that you wanted to start. You know, you have this idea of starting a business and you're like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I'm going to glorify God and I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to tithe big time. And, you know, then a few years goes by and you're like, Lord, please just help me pay the rent. Maybe it's with your children. You know, Danielle and I had this with Lola. You know, we're like, we're going to do no screen time, no iPad we're gonna read books. She's gonna read by the time she's 18 months. We're gonna read the best bedtime stories, creatively allowing her to flip through all the pages. We're gonna have wonderful birthday parties for her. And lately I've been finding myself praying, Lord, just help me not kill her. <laughs> but I wanted to preach for a group of people who maybe feel that this year has made you feel that you need to lower your expectations of what God is going to do in your life. You know, I had a thought for the day and really where this whole thing started for me was this thought I had that you have no idea what God can produce through a single seed that's been planted in faith. Let me say that again. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed that has been planted in faith. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we have to spend together. Lord, for every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice, in this moment and all the moments to come, we ask for your presence in our life. We know that it's you and only you that can bring us true peace, true advancement. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to not just see the word, but to become the word. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So the biblical characters that we're gonna talk a little bit about today um, probably should come as no surprise to you. But we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about two really main focal characters in the Old Testament, these people being Abraham and Sarah. Now, at the time that we're about to meet them, they are not Abraham and Sarah yet. They are Abram and Sarai. And the context to which we really are introduced to these characters, at least one of the first main struggles that they experience, is we meet them in a time of crisis because they desperately want a child. And if you understand culture in that time of life, that that really everything, your legacy, every, the strength of you as an individual and as a family was essentially predicated on your child, right? We're going to read in scriptures, not going to get to this exact scripture, but basically Abraham complains to God saying, listen, you give me all this stuff, but you didn't give me a son, so really what good is it? And so we, from that little bit of understanding, see that having a baby to them wasn't something that you know, I kind of want it, you know, like right now I would love a hot cup of coffee, right? That, that's not the kind of wanting or longing they were experiencing is a child to them signified the success and the longevity of their family line. And if you would imagine if any of you ladies out there or couples have had a difficulty getting, uh, getting pregnant, having a child, you know that there's something funny that happens to you when you really want to get pregnant, but you can't is that it seems like everybody else you know is having babies, right? And you can imagine they're hanging out with all their friends and 
you know, they're seeing the news. You know, this person is pregnant and that person is pregnant and this person is having the baby shower. And, you know, we see this couple on Instagram and they're at their Lamaze class getting ready to have their child. And this couple is painting the nursery. You know, it's so perfectly baby blue. And Abram and Sarai are sitting there wondering where on earth is God? Now, to bring a little bit of context into this story is the portion of scripture that we're talking through is in Genesis chapter 15. But in Genesis chapter 12 is when God first begins to interact with Abram and begins the process of making him into the father of many nations. In Genesis 12, if you've read through it, you're familiar with the scripture where there's a, a general call to Abram where God says to him, leave where you are and go to a land that I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. In fact, it, it labels Abram, and which is a reason why his name was changed from Abram to Abraham, is that God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And here's the deal. You know, like they got the promise, right? And if you could imagine, they're pretty excited about getting the promise. Like, we've got the word of God, and, you know, maybe they hadn't been able to have a child, and God shows up to them, and I'm sure they're, like, doing their old school dancing thing, and they're probably, I'm sure that maybe Abram and Sarai got a little frisky that evening because they're like, we got it! We got the promise! How many of you, I would ask, maybe at the beginning even of 2020, got some pretty amazing promises. You know, I'm sure that Abram and Sarah would have been a lot like us is that they would have got the promise of God and immediately they would have run back into their tent and they would have started maybe picking out names for the baby. You know, we're going to name it this if it's a boy and we'll name it this if it's a girl. And if it's a boy, oh, I have the best idea. Baby Yoda, Star Wars theme, bedroom. How amazing. What if it's a girl? Oh, Disney princesses. I just love Disney princesses growing up. And they're so excited about what they're going to do. I'm sure Sarah probably read probably in a single day, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. And, you know, they're talking about their big Instagram reveal and are we going to shoot the cannon? Are we going to pop the balloon? What are we going to do to tell people? And then month goes by, nothing. Month one goes by, month two goes by, and they're like, you know what, it's okay. God is just giving us some preparation time in order to get ready for a baby. But then another month goes by, and another month goes by, and another month goes by, and nothing happens. And I wanted to speak to people this morning who have lowered your expectation, that you have lost your peace in waiting for your promise. Now, it's important to understand because sometimes we can read through the Old Testament really fast instead of realizing that, so Genesis chapter 12, uh, Abram gets the promise from God that he's going to be the father of a nation. Genesis 15 comes in and, and we read this statement that, you know, I, I love how people who don't live through something can so easily make light of it right? It just simply says this, you know, sometime later, right? 
you know? And, and I started to ask myself this question, when actually was sometime later? Because sometimes I wanna know in my own life, when is sometime later? And we read through the passage of scripture and it's, you know, it's three chapters. So we're thinking, you know, maybe three months, you know, maybe it was, I don't even know, this would be crazy, but maybe it was three years. Now, scholars don't, <clears throat> scholars don't exactly know how long that it was, but they say that between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, it was least a decade after receiving the promise. It says this in Genesis 15, one and two, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Think about this for a moment a decade or more of unfulfilled promises, of unrealized expectations, every month lived, month after month after month. In fact, when you think about a decade, that's 120 months of disappointments. And maybe that's how you're feeling right now. You know, that in the beginning of 2020, you were like, I heard the Lord. And he said to me that I will be debt free. And I'm making myself a goal that I'm gonna be debt free by the time that summer comes and then 2020 hits and you lost your job and you got more debt now than you had then. Maybe you're praying, this is the year that my parents are gonna get saved. This is it. My kids are gonna get saved and they're gonna come back to the Lord. And you come to find out that your kids are bigger jerks now than they were when you started praying. Maybe to continue on the same point, you were like, by next Christmas, I'm at least gonna be dating my future spouse. And a year goes by and you haven't even been on a date. Now, if we were honest with ourselves, it would definitely begin to cause us to ask God, you know, like, God, you know, gonna give you the benefit of the doubt here. You know, maybe you just forgot, you know, maybe you just forgot about me, you know, maybe you didn't hear me right. You know, I said this Christmas, not five Christmases from now. You wondering, God, are you even there. And this is the thing that begins to happen to Abraham and Sarah, is that from their point of view, month after month after month, and nothing is happening. I think that this is real for a lot of us that we receive a promise from God, God speaks something to us. We receive a word from the Lord and a lot of time goes by. And to us, 
it seems as though there's absolutely no evidence that God is working at all through that season. You know, I can imagine Abraham, right? Just starts to lower his expectations. And we see that through the actions of his life. He's like, God, I don't even need a nation. Like, you know, let's just forget about that. Just please give me a son. But can I tell you, we have no idea what God can do through a single seed that's been planted in faith. I want to preach to people who maybe this year has beaten you up a little. Maybe you've gone through some stuff and you've lost your peace and lowered your expectations. You know, something that I've learned over the years, but I think especially this year, is that, you know, when it comes to life, when it comes to blessings, when it comes to faith, when it comes to our destinies, oftentimes we tend to think in the terms of addition, right? That God would add things to our life. But I realized something from reading the scriptures is that while I may think in addition, you know, one plus one is two, God speaks in terms of multiplication, right? Like this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, you know, God shows up, he creates man and woman, and one of the very first things like most parents do after you get married is they invite you to be fruitful and multiply, right? I don't know for all you parents out there maybe who don't have children, but that's a really horribly awkward conversation when your parents is telling you to be fruitful and multiply when everybody knows what happens in order to be fruitful and multiply. But this is what God says. He doesn't say be fruitful and add. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And we see this concept again with Jesus in the New Testament where Jesus gives a parable And he says that there's a sower, a farmer, who goes out with a bag of seed and he starts to sow some seed, right? Now, he's sowing the seed and we know that he talks about, you know, some seed falls on this ground and some seed falls on that ground. But then he talks about there's some seed that falls on the good ground. And what does Jesus say? That a single seed has the ability to experience an exponential return. Right, the Bible says, if you sow in good ground, that you'll reap 30, 60, 100-fold return, exponential increase on that single seed. We have no idea what God can do when we'll plant a seed in faith. You know, I recently got asked the question, people like to email in questions to us as they're thinking about trying out our church, and You know, they asked us, you know, well, how do you feel about the controversial gospel of prosperity? Because that's, I mean, that's, sure. And I said to them, you know, there's some people I think, obviously, who could, you know, take it a little bit too far. But you can't argue with the principles that are in the word, not just once or twice, but the concept of seed, time, and harvest is literally a foundational initial covenant interaction between God and man, right? Like when God created the earth, he had, there's the the covenant that God made with Adam and that covenant was, listen, as long as the earth remains, 
You're going to plant and you're going to harvest. And Abram knew this. Sarah knew this. They knew the covenant. They knew the promises. But decades pass. And they don't see a thing. You know, you wonder, it's like, is somebody out there listening? Does anybody out there even care about what I'm going through? You know, praying day after day, night after night, and seeing absolutely nothing. On the surface, nothing is happening. But can I tell you something? Just because you don't see anything, and let me add this, just because maybe your life in 2020 looks worse than it did in 2019. Just because you don't see anything happening doesn't mean that God isn't doing something. Can I say that again? Listen, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't doing it. Right, like I recently heard a story of the Gideons, right? You know, the Gideons, the people, they have the Gideons Bible. We have some Gideons Bible in the back there. And I watched this interview between a well-known pastor and uh, some of the Gideons who, you know, he got saved because somebody gave him a Gideons Bible and now he runs this massive mega church. And, and you know, they did the interview with him and then there's kind of this like candid post-interview portion and it's the pastor of the mega church talking to the guy who's a, just a Gideon person who would like go to a college campus and hand out a Bible. And, you know, he kind of asks him like, you know, how did you guys do it? Like, how do you just for, you know, decades, how do you just keep handing out Bibles, even though it seems like the world, despite all of your efforts, the world just keeps getting darker. And I love this. This is what the guy said. It was so simple. He was an older gentleman. And he said this, if you don't sow, you'll never harvest. Now, to this day, I just Googled it. They've sown two billion Bibles. I mean, you can't really go more than 100 feet without finding a Gideon's Bible somewhere in the earth. But listen, it's, it's not about where we are right now. Right, because a farmer can look at the hard, barren, muddy, dirty soil and get really upset about it. I mean, he could sell his farm at that point. But we have an option. And the option is, I believe, as we're closing out this year, the option says, am I going to quit or am I going to sow? Am I going to stop? Am I going to let this beat me up? Am I going to just lay down and call it quits? Or am I going to start to sow into the future that I believe that God is leading me into? Right? Because you see, that's what everything is. Everything in our life that we do is a seed. 
And the challenging part about a seed is that you plant a seed in the ground, and, and, and I wish there was this kind of turnaround because I would sell trees. Um, if you planted a seed in the ground one day and the next day you woke up and there was this beautiful apple tree in your yard, that would be amazing, right? Like you say one nice comment to your spouse and all of a sudden you have the most perfect relationship. But the problem is, is that's just not the way that it works, right? You sow a seed in the ground and, you know, I was recently, Danielle and I want to put a tree in the ground in our house and I'm looking at the prices of the trees and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. But then I stood back and I stopped and I look at this little tree that's like yay high and I realize someone has been tending this little tree for years that's why it's $750, even though it looks like this silly little twig that I'm going to put in the ground. Someone has been tending that for years to come. This is the same principle, is you sow. And sometimes you sow big. Sometimes we do big things. Sometimes we... We, we have last resort seeds, you know? I got nothing left but to sow this in the ground. And then it's always some time later. I heard a teacher one time, he's preaching out of Galatians and he was using the seed, you know, in due season. And somebody asked him, well, brother, when is due season? And he said to them, due season is often significantly farther in the future than when you want due season to be. And that's what Abraham and Sarah do. That's what we do. We plant a seed in the ground and we walk out the next day wondering why isn't the tree there? Where's the tree, God? And we show up day. And you think, I should have ate the seed, right? At least I would have got a little bit more full. I should have eaten the seed. I should have done anything with the seed but plant it because now I don't know where I planted it and I can't go dig it up and it's gone. And... But you see, I realized something, that when we see nothing, God sees something. That I realized that though we see nothing, God is working on that little seed. Right? Doesn't he? With the rain, you know, with the sun, and we see the roots forming. And I've realized that oftentimes the reason why we don't see fruit is because God is more focused on growing the root. See, we love the fruit. I love the fruit. Let me be more specific. I love when good things start happening in my life. But two years ago, I recently planted some cedar trees kind of along the edge of my property. And I planted them and it took me a lot of time and I dug them in there and they looked so perfectly green. And then what happened was I didn't dig the hole deep enough or wide enough so the trees couldn't take root. And then what happened is I had to dig them up and plant them again and then dig them up and plant them again. Why? Because I'm so focused on the fruit. But you see, God 
is focused on the root. God's focused on longevity. God's focused on before we see anything happen in our lives, God is wanting to make sure, not that we just experience something in a moment, but that there is an element of sustainability that we experience, that I don't just eat the fruit for a season. Right? This is what God said to Abram. I'm not going to give you a son. God thinks multiplication. I don't want to just give you a son, but I need to establish and sustain something that's not going to be here one day and gone the next. That's not just going to come and then go, but I'm building something that's going to last. This is why we think addition, but God thinks multiplication, but multiplication takes more time. So you see, Abraham, him and Sarah have the same problem that we have. And can I tell you what it is? It's limited perspective, right? Because Abraham and Sarah, right? The Bible tells us, right, that they are in a tent telling God all the things that they don't see, right? Well, God, I don't see you working. You promised me. I'm going to have many nations, but listen, man, I don't even have a son. God, I don't see anything happening yet. I'm not married. I don't have any prospects. God, you know I'm almost 30 and my clock is ticking. God, I'm buried in debt in here and there's no possible way that I could get out. God, the report came back and from where I'm sitting, it's not good and we don't see God anywhere. God, you're not doing what I wanted. But I remembered this. If God met all of our expectations, it would never give him an opportunity to exceed them. Right? So Abraham, he's in a tent telling God all the things that he doesn't see, right? God, I don't see a kid. God, you spoke about all the nations and I'm not seeing any of these nations. God, what's happening? God, did you forget about me? And then Genesis 15 verse five comes. And the Lord, it says, that the Lord took Abram outside. He takes him outside and he begins to speak to him. And the Lord begins to interact with Abram in this moment when he'd been planting 120 months worth of seeds. But what God does is he takes him out of his tent, out of his limitations, and he takes him outside and he begins to speak to him about the stars. And this is a part of what I hope to do and why we are so passionate as a church is my hope is that when you leave today, that I will help to take you outside. That sometimes a year comes and we go through a lot of stuff 
And we don't realize it, but the stuff begins to shape our expectations. So Abram is in the tent, and God begins to communicate with him. Right? And, and I could just imagine, you know, Abram, you know, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. That my thoughts compared to yours are the heavens that are compared to the earth. That, that you think your thoughts, but your thoughts are living in the tent. And my thoughts are out here. And they're as many as the stars in the sky. And that's what it says, right? In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says this. Then the Lord took Abram outside. And I could just imagine Abram, right? You know, like, God, uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to go outside, God. Like, I don't want to go out there. I can only imagine it would be like, God, how about you come into the tent and help Sarah and I, you know, figure out our stuff, right? Because we don't want to be out there. We want to be in here, you know, making the kit. And God said to him, look up, look up. Why? Because sometimes we simply Got to stop looking down at all of our problems and all the things that are trying to keep us stuck. And we just got to take a minute and look up to remember. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not in this alone. It says this, look up into the sky and count the stars. What? If you can. Why? Because if God, if we allowed God to meet all of our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. And that's what he says. He takes him out of the tent. He says, look at the stars. And he says, Abraham, you've been thinking about a son. But I'm thinking about nations. He says, count the stars if you can. And that's how many descendants you will have. I can imagine in this moment, I mean, meeting with God in general would be a pretty awe-inspiring moment, but having God like minorly rebuke you, I can imagine he's stunned, he's shaken, and ultimately he's probably silenced. You know, he's, I can only imagine in that moment as he's looking up in the stars, he's like, God, I am so I'm so sorry. I've been thinking addition. I've been so focused on trying to have one kid and all my problems. And you're thinking about nations. You're thinking about multiplication. I'm thinking about having a son. And you're thinking about a nation. And here's the thing that's so beautiful about it is, is that you know, if you belong to Christ, if you're online, if you're in this room, Galatians 3.29 tells us that it wasn't just Abraham and his kids. You know, like, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, right? We know that, yes, well, he did have many sons. Galatians 3.29 tells us that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And so what happens is, is his belief in one moment to sow one seed is still to this day paying exponential dividends because God does not think addition. God thinks multiplication. You have no idea what God can do with a single seed planted in faith. Abram 
was thinking about a son, but God was thinking about you. Can I tell you something? Never, never, ever measure God's unlimited power by your limited experiences. This is the thing like the Gideons, right? One Bible. What is it? One prayer. What is it? One dollar. What is it? One moment. One hug. One expression. One act of obedience. One act of loyalty or faith or trust. One gift that's given. One moment. One seed sown. And God says, you have no idea what I can do with just one seed. Now, it's not immediate, so don't get bummed when it doesn't happen right away. But know this, when you can't see it, God is still working. I want to take a minute and pray for us because... You know, there's this portion of scripture in the Bible that says, you know, when you sow, it gives a direct instruction, do not grow weary. There's like this, there's unlimited power in the seed. But there's a caveat, there's a but. If you want to experience it, don't grow weary. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes of what I have experienced is that trouble comes not to take us out. Trouble comes to get us to give up on the seeds that we have sown. Can I tell you something? Just don't quit. Just don't walk away. Just don't stop believing. Just don't stop giving. Just don't stop loving. Just don't stop. And what happens? The power that we need is already in the seed. Can I tell you that miracle, that breakthrough, that salvation, that promise, that job, that spouse. Listen, all these things are on the way, even if we can't do it because we have no idea what God can do with just one seed. Heavenly Father, I'm not even gonna ask us to put our hands up because probably it would be the majority of the room. Lord, for us who are fighting for our seed, we are contending for our promise. asking, Father, that you would take us up to see the way that you see. You say that our thoughts are not your thoughts, our ways are not our ways. But we don't want to live down here in the world of limited perspective. We want to come up to see the way that you see. God, I'm asking for stamina. I'm asking for perspective. I'm asking for grace in this season to dream again.
Lord, where 2020 has got us so focused on addition, just trying to make this happen and just trying to take one small step ahead, we ask that you would remind us that you are not a God of addition, but you are the God of multiplication. Lord, where we have seeds sown in the ground, let us not get upset or discouraged because we see nothing, but instead let us be thankful because we know that the roots are getting deep. And you said, in due season, we shall reap. We strip off everything that 2020 has tried to do to us. All the junk, all the shame, all the baggage, all the insecurities, all the disappointments, all the discouragement, all the depressions, all the anxieties, all the nervousness, all the wonderings, all the anxiety. Oh, we strip them off. Because we know that you are the Lord of the harvest. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've heard this message and you've never come into relationship with Jesus. And you're saying, yes, absolutely. Like, I want this. I, I want to be in this relationship. I've 2020 has beat me down to an inch of my existence and I need someone to give me hope. The Bible tells us very clearly that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, sent from heaven to, to be the, the, the redemption for my life, we would be saved. So I'm gonna ask this from your homes, wherever you are, online, in this room. I'm gonna ask us very simply that you repeat these prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. You are the savior sent from heaven to redeem me. Jesus, I declare that you are my savior and my Lord. Fill my life, lead me, guide me, direct me, Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, Amen. if that was you and you were in the room or you were online and you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, the Bible says that all of heaven celebrates Amen. and rejoices because one more of Abraham's seed Amen. has been added into God's family. Amen. So yeah. good.